This is the Weather Lounge here at Weatherworks. Hi, everyone, and thanks for joining us again here in the Weather Lounge. I'm your host, meteorologist Brad Miller, and we come to you from our Weatherworks headquarters located in Hackettstown, New Jersey. And joining me as always here in the Weather Lounge is my jovial co-host, meteorologist Mike Mahalik. You're going to run out of these at some point. Nope. I got a long list. <laughs> what do you got? A whole list on your computer yeah, somewhere kinda, of adjectives? And... I just kind of see what uh, what kind of mood I'm in and see what kind of mood you're in that week. You know, okay. before we uh, do so the I'm podcast. So I'm in a jovial mood yeah, this week. Jovial, you know. It's, I know it's the middle of winter, but you know, what are you gonna do? <laughs> okay. Anyway, um, so today the podcast topic is is a pretty good one. We're talking about winter weather driving and the dangers that we may encounter. When we're out in the road, when there's ice and snow uh, yeah, going I mean, on, yeah, I mean, yeah, our first bit of advice, Mike, of course, is not to drive in the snow. Wow! But you know, we live here in the Northeast, and it's really it's inevitable. Somewhere along the way, we're gonna have to drive in the snow, even if it's an emergency. You know, yeah. kids, you know, things like that. You never know. Uh, but you know, so. We're going to talk about that. Yeah. And, you know, we had to bring in a guest for this because, yes, I used to plow snow. Uh, I used to drive a plow truck like a lot of our clients here at Weatherworks uh, do in the wintertime. And so I have a lot of winter weather driving experience. But we figured it'd be best to bring yeah. in an expert. Um, and his name is Sergeant Darren Tynan with the Hackettstown Police Department. So, Sergeant Tynan, we got you on the air, so thanks for stopping by here at the Weather Lounge. Um, hey, thanks, uh, Mike and Brad, for having me here today. Um, I've been with the uh, the police department for 18 years. I'm a sergeant of the traffic division here for the town of Hackettstown. Um, so we've seen a lot of accidents and a lot of weather uh, living out here in Hackettstown my whole life, so I see how People can drive here in <laughs> Northwest Jersey. Yeah, it's 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 not the best time, uh, of course, to drive. So let you know, let, let's get right into it. You know, other than not going out, of course, again in the snow. You know, what's the most important piece of advice to give someone that has to go out and you know drive in those adverse conditions? Well, the the main thing is that you want to drive cautiously. Um, like you said, we the main thing is not to drive in uh, any type of uh, severe winter weather. Uh, conditions, but we know people have to get out. Um, the one thing is, is the speed. You want to drive slow, not slow enough where you're going to get stuck, but you want to drive either at or just below the um, posted speed limit to just adjust your speed to the uh, current road conditions as well. Because here in Hackettstown, you could have snow, you go further east, you could have freezing rain or uh, sleet or anything that so in living here in New Jersey, you're going to see all different kinds of weather. And the main thing is to watch your speed. Yeah. And we do have uh, and, and talking about that, especially here in northwestern New Jersey, you know, we do have hills, we have elevation changes. And like you said, I mean, there are times when you can go from, you know, rain, maybe down into, uh, you know, right in Hackettstown, but then you go up, uh, up the road up 517 and, uh, you know, get up that way. You know, you could be back right in the snow just because you change your uh, elevation a couple hundred feet. And I'm sure you've seen that plenty of times around here. Yes, it, it, it's amazing where we would have rain here in Hackettstown and snow up in Mount Olive. So people seeing the rain here in Hackettstown might start traveling up up in a little bit in higher elevation and then start seeing into the um, heavy snow. So the speed and the following of cars, you have to decrease your distance between cars, especially tractor trailers. If they're out there on the roadways, you just want to 
be safe. And the, our general rule is um, with the tailgating aspect of it, you always want to be like if the speed limit's 25 miles an hour, you want to be two car lengths behind a car in that speed limit. Um, that would definitely increase once um, the snow starts falling and your road conditions deteriorate. So you want to definitely keep your follow distance is really, I'm sorry, keep your uh, distance back from any type of vehicle. Right. And I, man, I know a lot of people <laughs> who drive way too close yes. um, to, I mean, I remember even the one time in college I was going out um, and, and with a drive with, with someone and they were on the highway and we're going like, you know, 70 miles an hour. And he is like right on top of a guy. And I was like on edge the entire trip um, because I drive totally differently. I, I leave a lot of space in between. Um, a lot of times people cut in front of me because I leave space, um, you know, which is, you know, much. Uh, and not only that, you, you want that distance between you and the yeah. car in front of you because in case you have to hit your brakes, you can't just slam on your brakes. Correct, Sergeant? I mean, you don't want to get into a skid. Um, you know, you want to kind of come to a slow stop and have that distance in front of you so you have that uh you know uh buffer zone if you will before you could hit a car and because if you don't if you hit the brakes hard you're going to go into a skid right exactly and people need to know what kind of brakes you have on your car um nowadays a lot of people have the uh, the ABS brake system and that will activate automatically uh, you'll feel the pulsating of the the brakes as soon as um the, the ABS system detects a wheel skidding. So you just want to firmly press your foot on the brake and maintain a, uh, a steady pressure on that. And you'll definitely feel the, uh, the brake pedal pulsate. And that means your ABS is activated. You should have an ABS light activated um, in the car as well. And then for the individuals that are driving a not so newer car um, that doesn't have the ABS, uh, pumping the brakes is one of the the things that you should do if you don't have the ABS system. I remember when I first learned how to, I'll probably age myself here, when I was first learning how to drive, it was always, you were always taught to pump your brakes as you, yes. uh, <laughs> now I remember something, and this is kind of a, I don't know if anyone will relate to this, but do you know the ride test track down in Disney World, down in Orlando? Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. I thought, I don't know if they've changed the ride since then, but I thought I remember they would have you in a car or have you on the test track in, you know, one of those little, the cars that they put you in, in six people. And they would do a, uh, a demonstration where you would have one stopping with the ABS and the other one without. I don't know if you remember that. You know what? I, th I don't remember that at all. You know what? I didn't get a chance really to go on it oh. um, because my kids were so small. When but I, but when the I little there. the announcer, the you know, the the recording behind you said, now we're going to go into a stop with the ABS on. And you would actually come really? to a smoother stop versus like a. Uh, 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 yeah. I, I don't know if I'm right on this. I could have sworn this happened. I, I don't do that. They don't do it anymore. Okay, our, well, then this might have been back in like our producer says no. Right? Brad is uh, <laughs> somebody's got to Google that. <laughs> yeah, anyway. when I when I went to Disney World, my kids were more uh, concerned with like the teacups oh. and the Dumbo ride. That was and a cool ride though. Test Magic car. Anyway, we're getting off the subject here. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot about braking and, you know, uh, I think that's important. You got to make that slow stop. You got to let the ABS do its thing. Um, the one fun or fail safe that I used to have when I was driving in a plow truck was that 
if I couldn't stop, I would slam the plow down. Mm -hmm. And then the plow would dig into the snow and ice on the road, and then it would stop me. So that was the one nice thing that, you know, most people don't have. I think the roads department may have a problem with that, though, if there's not a lot of snow (laughs) on the ground. Hey, man, it was that or slam into the guy in front of me, you know? Um, So... Um, but Let me just gouge over here on Mountain <laughs> Avenue. Um, well, we talked a lot about stopping, um, but what about actually getting going? What about starting out? Um, snowy road, you know, what's the best way to go about that? I mean, obviously you want to slam, you want to uh, slam on that gas pedal, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's something you definitely won't want to do. You just want to start off a nice, easy, uh, push onto the gas pedal to get your, uh, get your car moving. You don't, people seem to get nervous and want to either slam on the gas or slam on the brakes, which are the things you you definitely don't want to do. Just knowing that if you push on the gas pedal too hard, it could make your rear wheels uh, spin more, which could get you down to some ice and cause you to spin out and possibly get into a ditch or or hit something. But you just want to easily ease into uh, starting getting yourself going onto a roadway. Yeah, and I think that's important. I mean, just basically take your time is what it comes down to. I mean, I've driven in plenty of storms, um, actually after leaving Weatherworks and, you know, we had this ongoing snowstorm and, you know, just take your time, you know, get some nice, easy music on that you, yeah. <laughs> that you like um, and, and just, you know, slow accelerations, slow stops, leave a lot of distance, you know, actually it's weird, Brad. And, and, and Darren, but uh, I actually didn't mind driving in a snowstorm in the middle of the night on the way home. Well, I mean, there's no cars in the road. I mean, that, that's that's my biggest, uh, you know, fear, too, is, is other people. I mean, I know I can handle myself driving in snow. I know how to drive, you know, nice and slow as well. I'm not in a rush, but it's the other people I'm always worried about. And and like you said, they sometimes follow too close. But you're right. It's sometimes a little soothing if you take your time and, you know, you're the only one or a couple of cars on the road. And, uh, you know, it's it's it, again, snows, of course, a lot different than ice. We'll get into that a little bit more here. But, uh, you know, a snow packed road and it's, uh, you know, it's still snowing a little bit. You're fine. Usually uh, it's just that when you uh, start getting other folks on the road now. Uh, Darren, of course, uh, you don't want to set that cruise control either, like 65 and start going down 80, correct? Yeah, exactly. You want to <laughs> make sure that you turn off your uh, cruise control. Cruise control is good if you're out on the parkway and uh, that'll avoid you from getting any tickets because you set it on to your uh, speed that it is, the postage speed limit. But you definitely don't want to um, have your cruise control set on any type of road condition, even if it's raining um, or snowing. Um, so because that could accelerate if you get into a um, a spin out that having the cruise control on could make your car go faster and actually cause you get to get into an accident. So w- one of the main things is just turn the cruise control off and just manually drive your car. Right. Like you said, even in the rain, because your car won't know that it's hydroplaning. It's just trying to keep the speed up because that's what the computer is telling it to do. And, you know, if you start uh, hydroplaning and, and you're in cruise control, you're going to have a problem here in a second. And, you know, going back to that posted speed limit, you know, during storms, usually, you know, the state, uh, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, you know, probably any other state uh, that gets a lot of snow, they're going to have posted speed limits that are dropped to, from their normally, you know, the parkway, the turnpike, Route 80, Route 78, you know, uh, even into Pennsylvania, they'll say, you know, the posted speed limit now or maximum speed limit is 45 or 55. And again, that's the speed limit then. It's not because it's normally 65. You can do it. And this is what they want you to, to drive at. Is that correct? That is correct. And uh, 
one of the things that that we you know don't like about when they have these um, snow emergencies, especially when they ban tractor trailers, because they will ban the tractor trailers on the interstate, which then forces them to come on to Route 46, Route 57, Route 31, which then the problem becomes a local jurisdictional problem because the tractor trailers will can't navigate the, the the roadways as well here once they're snow covered or if they become ice covered. So it, it does make our job a little bit more difficult once um, the state declares it, if they do declare it, the emergency and, and uh, lowers the speed limit as well as ban tractor trailers from the highways. Yeah, I'd never thought of that aspect of it. Rather keep them on the highways. It seems like yeah. <laughs> is a better idea. Yeah, but but um, you know, I understand why they you know do certain things. Um, you know, Brad did talk about it a minute ago about you know some sliding, or maybe you brought it up, uh, Darren. But um, uh, so let's say you know we do start sliding in in a snow or ice situation. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about pumping the brakes. I mean, is there anything more we can do in that circumstance? You know, uh, and this is a, a big thing that um, probably happens a lot um, when you're driving in the snow, icing conditions, um, is the, the skid factor. Um, one of the things that if you do skid out of control, most people want to just slam on the brakes or or they'll slam on the gas pedal. And that is the one thing you don't want to do. Uh, you want to just remove your foot from the gas and gently, and that I have to emphasize, gently steer your car into the direction of the skid, which means the direction, the rear of your vehicle is sliding. Um, and then when your car starts heading in your uh, direction that you are going, you just want to carefully straighten the wheel out. Um, but this is the one of the big things that people get nervous about because your car just starts going at, in a different direction, and then you just don't know what to do. Um, this is one of the big things that we do uh, try to let people know is just to take your foot off the brake and your gas and just gently uh, steer in your car in the direction of the skid. Right. That, that's definitely some good advice. I mean, I I got to I gotta admit that when I was a kid <laughs> in high school, um, to get myself used to being out of control and correcting it. I used to go through an empty parking lot and I used to, you know, throw the car out of control where I knew I wasn't going to be in trouble. I mean, obviously I'm not going extremely fast. Right. Um, but then that's kind of how I figured out how to correct, uh, you know, the, There's nothing wrong this, with learning how to out. drive it. I mean, especially if you're um, from the Northeast. Now, I don't recommend, I mean, I don't think I'd recommend everybody to do that. It's probably not the best thing to do, right, Darren? Well, you, you do bring up a good point because every winter you're going to have a new generation of kids that are going to be their first time driving in conditions like this. Um, so I would always tell parents is that when it does snow, go into a parking lot that you can because you don't te- they don't teach us in, uh, when you go for your driver's test. They don't teach you how to drive in snow. So kids aren't going to be familiar with what it's like driving in the snow. So do take it into a parking lot, possibly with given permission that you can do that. And uh, have your uh, child drive in the snow a little bit just to get them used to it before you send them out on Route 80 to go to the mall or something like that. Because a lot of kids aren't going to, this winter season, there's going to be kids out on the road that have never driven in this. And that's what makes it dangerous for them as well as other drivers that's true every season so maybe i wasn't entirely in the wrong by doing that even though i felt like i was doing something bad um i'm gonna throw my car out of control right now but uh 
You know, I, honestly, it's it's helped me understand how the car reacts in the snow where I, I know, I now know what to do. I mean, it's all about practice and preparing for those type of situations. So, you know, when I was actually caught in it, I knew what to do. I mean, there was a time when uh, I remember I thought I was in pretty good shape. The storm was over. This was when, back in my snow plowing days. I had on the four-wheel drive. I took off the four-wheel drive because I thought I was in pretty good shape. There was some, you know, uh, you know, exposed pavement Paving by that starting point. To show up. Yep. Yeah. And I lost control of my plow truck. And it was in the middle of a, you know, two-lane road, you know, and I had to correct this thing. And I had this truck pretty much totally sideways oh, <laughs> across the road. But like uh, Sergeant Tyne said here, took my foot off the gas. You know, I turned into the skid. You know, I had to do it several times because my back end was fishtailing a few times. Um, but eventually I got it. And I uh, saved the the truck from spinning entirely around uh, just before oncoming traffic. And don't say other traffic. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's um, what you got to worry about. Yourself, you can probably yeah. get out of, uh, you know, if you damage a truck, but you don't want to... Now, I was pretty tired at that point from plowing yeah, all night. Yeah, I was going to say, you probably had a 15-hour shift or something. No amount of coffee was the adrenaline rush that oh, I got after that, that. You probably woke up quick. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> alert, ready to go. So, you know, while we're on the subject of four-wheel drive and all-wheel drive vehicles these days, Darren, you know, a lot of folks, um, you know, including myself at times, you feel like you're invincible out there. I mean, like the car is going to all of a sudden just take care of itself regardless of the road conditions. You're right. And uh, we do see it. Uh, we do see a lot of, I mean, a four-wheel drive vehicle will will help you compared to a small sedan that are the ones that normally um, that we see getting stuck in the snow once um, the snows cover the roadways. Um, but you know what? Ice is doesn't care who you are. It doesn't care if you're in a four-wheel drive vehicle or a sedan. You hit a patch of ice, there is no stopping um, that car. Everyone thinks that a four-wheel drive vehicle, you can just do the speed limit, go 100 miles an hour, and nothing's going to happen. But those are the ones that also will uh, get into an accident as well because, like I said, once they hit a slick patch of ice, it, there's no controlling a car whatsoever. And it could be kind of a, for lack of a better word, kind of snowball forward after that because you don't know you know, what the conditions of the road are. Even if you get off that ice, there may be more ice or snow or traffic, and then before you know it, it's uh, just turning into... You know, and that's a good segue into ice. So, you know, granted, when you get to the ice part, I don't want to drive on. I don't think you do. I don't think anyone likes to. But, you know, what, what's what's like the worst case scenario you see with ice out there? I mean, is it the freezing rain or is it the ice that's already kind of, you know, uh, kind of formed on the road after a storm or during a storm? You mean um, like our, patchy our, ice? maybe? Yeah. Yeah. We see uh, a lot of it is the patchy ice once. um the salt uh, trucks go out and salt and then it snows and then it uh, melts and then refreezes. Um, but we also see a lot with the uh, sleet. I mean, we seem to get a lot of sleet out here um, and that makes it uh, dangerous too. freezing rain. Our, our DPW here in Hackettstown is pretty well. I mean, we have a three and a half square mile town. So the, the freezing rain, unless it happens at nighttime, um, which is like I said, it's going to you shouldn't be driving. I personally think that nobody should be out during the um, any type type of ice because there's nothing that you can do to safely get a walk around or drive mm -hmm. around. 
Yeah, well, I think we've all been there sliding down a walkway or your driveway trying to get to the mailbox. You see some of those videos out there, too, of like people coming out of their houses. They're like, oh, oh yeah. it's wet out there. And they try to get to it's, their car in the driveway. It's like yard sale time. <laughs> yeah. You know, their mug goes flying. They're, they're down in the road before you know it. And that happens a lot. We get a lot of uh, fall victims um, during snowstorms and ice storms, too. So we tell you not to drive, but also not to walk either. You brought up sleet there um, for a second. Man, I can remember the one time when we had a large sleet storm, and this is back in probably 2007 or something like that. I remember we had a big sleet storm in the Northeast. And driving on sleet is is interesting. I remember trying to get my plow truck going, and it was in four-wheel drive, but it felt like I was almost driving in like quicksand or driving in like uh, on ball bearings because right. of the little, you know, uh, pellets. Dots. Yeah, the little pellets of sleet that were all over the ground. It, w- it was very strange sensation. Yeah, it, it's a, a weird thing pinging off your car and then it freezes on your car. Um, so it, it, we just we don't encourage any type of driving during any type of winter weather <laughs> um, around here at all, because the sleet, when people start driving over it, they crush it down and then it melts and then it could That's refreeze too, if, yeah. if the salt, if the trucks, salt trucks haven't been out there. So just um, going back to some of my experiences in the past, um, I know I've seen people uh, behind salt and plow trucks passing the salt and plow truck <laughs> to get in front of them, uh, I guess to get home quicker or whatever. Well, not only uh, that, I think you, sometimes you get that junk and the salt and yeah. everything's spraying up on you. And that, I can understand to a point, but it's probably not. So a uh, recommendation on passing yeah. salt plow trucks, uh, Sergeant? You don't want to pass any snow plow trucks at all. I mean, they're out there trying to make the road safe. So you, you think about it that, if you are behind a salt truck, that means what's in front of the salt truck is not safe. So you want to stay behind them until they get through either plowing or salting. You want to stay back two to 300 feet. Um, you don't want to get your car pelted with the salt because they do um, spread it out. But also, if uh, here we do have wing plows, which do stick out further. So if, if, you want, if they're in the left lane, because most plow trucks want to push everything to the right, and they and you happen to pass them on the right, you could hit the plow as well as uh, going into the into woods or wherever they're uh, plowing. Yeah, that 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 does not. That's a good point for sure with the wing plows that that are used. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I always when I got behind a plow truck like that on the way home from a, a winter storm here. Um, you know, I just thought, you know what, I'm in a good spot. I'm yeah, be- really. <laughs> I'm behind the plow truck. Exactly. He's throwing salt. I'll just keep my distance and, you know, we'll just cruise here for at, at 20 miles an hour all the way home. It's okay. You know, what hurry was I in right. at uh, two in the morning, basically? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. You want to get home safe. The the snow uh, plow truck drivers are out there. They're, they're there to make the road safe. So try not to get into their way. Just let them do uh, their job and then you'll get home safely. And I think the last thing we want to ask um, with the with the snow and ice driving tips um, before we move on to another topic was um, the high beams, low beams thing. You know, we're in the snowstorm, snow's actively falling. You know, what's the best thing to do in that situation if we're talking about a nighttime uh, winter storm? 
you want to keep your uh, low beams on. I mean, if you if people who have driven in the snow or in the fog, it's almost the same. You put your high beams on and that thing just blinds you, blinds you more. So you definitely want to drive with your uh, low beams on. And one of the things that we tell you is to make sure that you clean your headlights. A lot of people have condensation or something in there. Make sure your headlights are actually working properly um, to be seen. And the law in New Jersey is that if you have your wipers on, your headlights also have to be on. So we see that a lot where people having their wipers on in any type of weather conditions and their headlights aren't on, but your headlights are very important during a storm because people will see that um, compared to not having your lights on at all. I always thought it was it was interesting uh, when you're driving in a snowstorm and you turn on the high beams for a yeah, second. It's like blinding. Yeah, yeah like, it's like- it's. It's almost like uh, said, yeah. going going warp speed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like a snow globe. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like you see in the movies. What movie is that? Like... Spaceballs. <laughs> He's gone to plaid, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't thinking of that. I was the thinking hydro- more like Star Wars or Star Trek. Well, I know um, what you're saying though. The Star so you just went for the the yeah, the yeah. goofy movie, yeah, uh, you know, Spaceballs. That's, that's I like. <laughs> hey, you know what? Wait, what? Well, one last thing before we take a break here, and we'll, we'll, this will be the last subject about the snow and the driving. And uh, we really didn't talk about this beforehand, but I think it's very, very important. What about snow on your vehicle after a snowstorm? I mean, it is so annoying. I know it's it's the law. I think that you have to clear off your car, both Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and probably a lot of states. But I mean, people just don't do it. Just take a few extra seconds and clear off your car. Yeah, that is uh, one of the big things that we see. And it, it, it's funny in a way that when, because we do pull people over for it, right. is that they will only clean as much as they can reach. <laughs> uh, and yeah. then they will clean around, have their the little bit around their roof, but they leave the big block of snow and ice right in the center, which that will come off because, you know, the, the sun comes out, it's going to be melting what's on your roof. And those, the sheets of ice, um, any type of snow will come flying off. And we've had here in New Jersey uh, fatal accidents where stuff have um, got flown off a of tractor trailers. Go right through a windshield. Um, hmm. Right through the windshield and killed somebody. And it is the law in New Jersey to clean your car prior to you moving it. And that is one of the biggest things um, that we see here um, that people don't do that. And that is a safety issue for anybody that's driving out on the road or even pedestrians that are walking too, because that stuff, you're moving 40 miles an hour. That stuff is flying off. Yeah. Um, and I think that's, a, you know, and they do have snow brushes that have long extensions on them because I have, I, I drive a truck and it's hard to reach, you know, the top of it. It's hard to reach the middle of the, you know, the back because I have a cover over my bed. You can get these really long snow brushes that will extend across the whole area. So there's really not a whole lot of excuse um, for leaving that much snow on top of your car. Right. No, it's not. And and it's like I said, it's putting people at danger. And and like I said, we do pull uh, pull people over for it. And it's a hefty fine if you if you continue to get tickets for that. So we, that is the one thing, not like you were saying, not just New Jersey, it it should just be across the United States that that should be your first thing to do before you um, hit the roads. All right. Well, with that, uh, here on the Weather Lounge, we're going to take a small break. Um, So after that, we'll be back with Sergeant Tynan and we're going to talk more about um, how 
the police department works with the local town and snow emergencies, state of emergencies, road closures, all those things that happen during winter storms. So be right, we'll be right back after this break. Have you ever wanted to know exactly how much snow or ice just fell in your backyard or how much snow you just plowed from that two acre parking lot? How about getting documentation that explains why you applied several applications of salt to a busy apartment complex? When it comes down to snow and ice verification, it can be a headache trying to find accurate totals for the busy winter season. Certified snowfall totals from WeatherWorks provide a stress-free way to get reliable information for the exact location you need. It is your complete winter weather verification platform. For more information, visit CertifiedSnowfallTotals.com today or call us at 908-850-8600. When you think weather, think WeatherWorks. Okay, welcome back to the Weather Lounge, and we continue our talk with our guest, Sergeant Darren Tynan of the Hackettstown Police Department. So in the first half of the podcast, we talked about winter weather driving, but now let's, AKA, shift gears, get it? Shift <laughs> gears a bit, and we'll talk about, get it? That's a terrible joke. All right, all right, we're going to talk about how the police department and the town's public works department and uh, how they all work together uh, when there is a snowstorm on the way. So uh, Sergeant Tynan, of course, you know, it's very important during winter weather that I guess you communicate with Hackettstown, Public Works, and, and other towns, I'm sure, across New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and our entire clientele, really, uh, that stretches across a good portion of the United States. Yes, uh, we, uh, we receive the um, weather information from WeatherWorks, and um, so does our uh, DPW receives the Forecast. So once we start seeing uh, snow in the forecast, um, myself, as well as the uh, DPW supervisor, start talking to see when we would put a snow emergency in effect or, or, or any type of emergency or, or maybe not. All depends on how much snow is um, predicted, even if we get a freezing rain or sleep prediction, um, because here in New Jersey, in Hackettstown, we do have um, uh, ordinance where you're not allowed to park on any street during a, uh, when it starts snowing or sleeting or any type of freezing rain and accumulates on the road. But we put the snow emergency in effect once um, we know that it's gonna be a plowable, plowable snow or um, it's a salting event. And that gives us the right to uh, tow people's car if need be. So now, obviously, you know, with our, with our products that we provide for Hagestown Police Department and 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 the DPW there, um, you know, we try to give those heads up notifications an hour or two before it actually snows. But is there a line of communication that happens um, if, say, you have officers out there patrolling, they encounter snow or ice? Do they do they give a call to the DPW? Like, how does that process work there? Yes, uh, our DPW uh, is excellent in a way that the, with the forecast that you provide us, it gives us the breakdown of when uh, you think that the snow or sleet or freezing rain is going to start, which help, helps us so we can be on the lookout of when this uh, precipitation is going to start falling. But once it does during the nighttime when everybody is sleeping and our officers are out there, once it starts to accumulate on the road, we do give a heads up to our um DPW super, but I know that a um, few of us also gets the calls from WeatherWorks to give us that heads up that uh, precipitation will fall. And that helps us because um, knowing 
timing things out is a big thing for us because we want to know if we need to have extra officers on patrol, if we need to bring in um, DPW needs to bring in extra help, if it looks like it's going to be a big snowstorm. So that the timing of the event helps us in big time, knowing when we put snow emergencies in effect and also prepares us for the storm. Now, you're speaking about the heads ups that you uh, not only get from the DPW, but also the heads ups that we provide to the Hackett Sound uh, Public uh, Works. And again, we do this for all of our clients, uh, not only when there's a big system coming in and we're telling you, well, the snow is going to start soon. You'll probably have your first inch you know, by 4 a.m. But what about just a, a rogue snow shower or a, you know, uh, you know, granted a six inch snowfall is very impactful, but usually, you know, that's coming, you know, it's going to happen. You know, a lot of times, uh, not only police departments, but DPWs, they can all prepare for that. But, you know, what if you get that 4 a.m. snow shower that just pr- pr- produces a, a, an inch of snow real quick or half an inch of snow just before the morning drive starts, just before kids and and parents are getting ready to hit the roads, you know, and you get that covering of snow that's almost just as impactful because you're going into such a crucial time. How does that uh, communication uh, occur between you and uh, the DPW? You know, once uh, if I mean, it is tough during the nighttime uh, because most people are sleeping during the day. We do have access to your um, uh, radars, which we do watch because, I mean, we get the weather forecast every day. So it's easier during the day to know exactly when if we get that heavy snow shower during the day. But at nighttime, our officers see the snow. They do make that phone call to the DPW superintendent. That's going to take time to get the whole crew to uh, come out. And it, during that morning rush, that's a it's going to be dangerous no matter what, because it won't be enough time to get everything ready. And if the salt trucks are not uh, filled up, they're going to have to go get the salt trucks filled up, which could take an hour or so to get get everybody out on the road. And we also would communicate this to the school district. Um, there is busing that happens here. Um and people that walk. So if it's something that would be uh, impactful to the morning commute, we would recommend um, to the uh, superintendent of the schools to possibly do a delayed opening to give everybody enough time to um, get the roads cleared for everyone to commute in the morning. Yeah, that's interesting there. So the people um, that we call probably also get a call from the... (laughs) police department so they're probably getting because they're already out on the road right so they're probably getting more calls they get our call saying hey this is going to happen in an hour and then they get the confirmation call from the police department saying like hey we got it covered uh, across the north side of town you know that's um that's pretty interesting um that they that they would also get the same i'm sure an 11 p.m snow showers you know you can catch up to that and get the roads ready to go in time for the morning but if that thing comes in at four or five a.m you know, that's again, that's going to be more problematic, I would imagine, than any other time. Right. And and your uh, heads up calls that you, you do give. I'm not on that because I'm, I'm fine with that, not getting the call at <laughs> one o'clock in the morning for it. Uh, but our uh, DPW super does get that. So that is a crucial thing for him, too, because when he gets the heads up call, that starts the process of calling the people in, which is very important. Um you know, but there's times of getting people woken up at four o'clock if they answered the phone. So it, it, there is still a delay in there, uh, even with the wake up call of getting things out there. But it gets the ball rolling. And then our phone call would just reiterate that, you know, the snow has collected on the ground that, you know, it's it, it's it's happening. 
Um, and I think you briefly touched on it um, before, um, but the snow emergencies that you put into effect into in Haggardstown, is there a certain criteria in inches that has to be hit, or was it just the road covering that puts a snow emergency in effect? What what causes or what triggers that snow emergency? Well, our snow emergencies actually go off of your forecast. Um, we look at we look at the timing of the event. We look at how much snow is expected, and once we know that something's going to happen. If you say between 12 and three in the afternoon, um, it could start snowing. We would do the snow emergency would begin maybe around one o'clock. We try to go in the middle just to give enough people to get their cars off the road. Um, but that it, it also all depends on also how much snow it's because our roads are not that wide here in town. So if we have cars parked on the road and the plow tries to go through, it might not make it um, with the cars that are, are parked on the road. And we want to make sure that cars don't get hit and the plows are able to clear the streets uh, clearly uh, because it sometimes our roads would be impassable if we weren't able to get through there with the cars parked on the side of the road. So by your timing that you give us and how much snow or sleet is expected is when we declare a snow emergency. But in Hackettstown, and I know this is in a lot of towns, is that anytime a road is snow covered or ice covered, you're not allowed to park on that. And people, I always tell people when they when they get a ticket, unfortunately, it's like we're not the only town that has this. I know this is throughout New Jersey that you park on a street that snow or ice covered mostly in any mostly any town you're going to get ticketed or towed, but the snow emergency allows us to bring an extra help as well as tow the cars if need be. And when we're all on that subject, uh, more of a localized question. I mean, is there communication between uh, you know Hackettstown and some of the neighboring townships and towns around, like Bud Lake? You got Washington close by. You know Mount Olive. You mentioned earlier. Is, is there any kind of communication between the townships uh, before and even during the storm? No, uh, for the most part, the towns uh, handle themselves unless, okay. yeah, unless something uh, happens drastically, like if um, a town might run out of salt and, and they might ask um, our mayor if they could borrow salt, which has happened in the past. Um, so we always try to keep that uh, a big supply of salt for us. But that is uh, probably one of the one things I can remember that uh, we would help out other towns. Right. With, You're more independent. Salt, is, yeah. Correct. Interesting. Um, on the emergency route, I have uh, the state of emergency that's called by, I guess, the governor of yeah. New Jersey. Um, once that is in effect, um, who should and shouldn't be on the roads? Well, it, it, a lot of people get confused when uh, the governor declares a state of emergency. People think a state of emergency is that they're not allowed to be on the road. Um, normally, the first state of emergency um, that he would uh, that the governor would do is that it would just bring in extra help if need be. Um, that's basically most of what the uh, state of emergencies are here, um, unless he specifically says no driving on the road. You can drive on the road unless that's specifically said. Um, but we encourage everybody to stay off the road if if can be. Um, but that's one of the big uh, misconceptions that happens when a state of emergency that you can't be on the road. You can unless it's specifically said um, 
in the executive order that you can't be driving on the road. Most, most of the times now, when it does snow, they will ban the tractor trailers from the major highways, which then would be forced onto Route 46 or whatever routes they are in New Jersey. All right. We're getting towards the end of the podcast, so we're going to put you on the spot here a little bit. Two final questions. Okay, the one you've been with Hackettstown Police now for 18 years, you said. So one, your most memorable snowstorm. And then the second question is, as far as you can go with talking about it, the most memorable incident that you can talk about safely during the winter. And maybe it's the same storm. Maybe it's something like that. But uh, talk talk to us about uh, something that really sticks in your mind and some of those uh, worst storms that you've been with. Well, I have two of them. Um, the one that sticks out and was um, that I thought was great was the uh, storm in November of 2018. I'll never forget it. That is the day that the snow came in right at rush hour and caused everything to be sh- all, all the roads to be impassable. I mean, I, I, I'll remember having cars stuck on 46, tractor trailers were stuck. People weren't going anywhere. And when we were out there uh, directing traffic, we had people that I had, they don't even know how they ended up in Hackettstown. They had lived nowhere near here. uh, But with everything being shut down, they just were driving in circles and they couldn't get out of town. And um, our DPW had to plow and salt the state highways because the state could not get trucks in. That was one of the most memorable storms and seeing the people's frustration um, just that they couldn't get home. And that is one of our biggest things is the storms that come at rush hour are, especially when they wake up, they don't see anything, everybody goes to work and then the storm hits and then it just mayhem that that has happened. I felt bad for everybody that was stuck in that traffic. I mean, we can only do what we can, but, but hearing the people that didn't live in this area and ended up here because of the roadways being shut down, uh, it, it was. Right. I felt it, bad. It for got it. even worse as you got closer to New York City and northern New Jersey, and like into the, you know the real urban area of the Turnpike and you know the Parkway and Route Nine and you know the whole mess up that way. Yeah, it, that was uh, that was my most one that I remember, and the most recent one was the one in January of this year where we had the thirty um, plus inches of snow, which which caused um, uh, us to put into effect alternate side parking, which you could only park on one side of the street, which uh, this is the second time since in the 18 years that we've had to do that with the amount of snow that came down. But seeing it um, just pile up and it took weeks for the uh, intersections to get cleared because, you know, the plow trucks will just go through once to make everything safe. Um but it, those were my two most memorable uh, storms. And I mean, there's plenty. We get plenty of snow out here. But those are the two that stick out in my mind. You know, I got to say that November storm was one of my most memorable, too, because I was actually... You were in Atlantic City. I was in Atlantic City uh, with our company, Weatherworks. We were uh, at a trade show for the New Jersey League of Municipalities, so there were a lot of municipalities in the state at this show, a lot of important people talking about, you know, supervisors and directors and things like that. And after a while, when we realized that this was going to be a problem, you know, and this was going to stick, 
um, we started giving people briefings while you're in in person. Yeah. Yeah. In person at the trade show, we're saying, guys, this is going to be serious. This is going to stick. And they kept saying, well, it's November, you know, it's just going to melt. No, it's going to stick. It's going to snow so hard. It's not going to matter what the pavement temperature is and it's going to stick. And that's what was the big problem that with that problem. storm. It was the snow rates that just overtook everything. Right, yeah. because you had war, uh, roads that were relatively warm, and then you had the snow initially start falling, get them wet. And then it kept snowing harder, and then you got the ice underneath the snow, and a lot of people probably did not have pretreatment on the roads to get anything from that. Because with the pretreatment, that kind of prevents that bond with the ice with the road. Um, so if you don't have that, then you're going to get that bonded to the road. It gets very slick. You had a wet snow that's a little bit more slippery. Um, and it was just a recipe to, of disaster. I think a lot of folks left work early that day because they saw what was coming and that led to more issues because they were trying to leave at two, three o'clock and that just piled up more cars on the road by four or five o'clock. And then by then couldn't go anywhere. And it wasn't, it wasn't even that bad in Atlantic city. Is this correct? I mean, oh, no, it, was, it wasn't it was that mainly bad. like central North Jersey and then, of course, you know, eastern Pennsylvania. They had but, some flooding issues. Yeah, yeah. Um, but they didn't get the snow. Um, we actually had to come back. Uh, me and a colleague of mine had to come back. To help out with um, the forecast. To help out with we the forecast. Because this storm is coming and yep. we have to do something and we have to get our forecast out and our heads ups. Um, but I remember coming home during that storm and I knew people weren't ready. So I got away from all major roadways as much as I could. I knew there were going to be snow packed, but I'm okay with that. Just so long as I was away from other people, you know, potentially getting into an accident or losing control of their vehicle or running into those traffic jams. And that was probably the best move that I yeah, made. I agree. Because I, I reduced my risk by getting away from everybody else um, who was trying to use that same road. I'll tell you that that is a very very good storm you pulled out there, and especially um, the January 2016 storm. Um, not 2016, this last year. Last year, January 31st through February 2nd. February 2nd. Yeah. That was an amazing storm too, and I don't remember it snowing. It snowed at my house from Sunday afternoon through Tuesday night. I mean, I've never right. seen it snow. I mean, there, there were breaks. It was lighter at times, but yeah. it was almost like a 72-hour uh, snowfall, which I've never seen before in my life. Well, uh, Darren, I, I don't think we have any more questions for you. I mean, do you have any questions for us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know you guys, you know, but people always beat up a forecast uh, of meteorologists if the forecast goes wrong or if it doesn't snow and they say it's supposed to snow. But um, we do appreciate the forecast. Um, they are pretty accurate of when it comes down to it. It helps us a lot when we, we do have to. Um, declare snow emergencies or just prepares us for what's going to happen. So uh, we thank you for all of your great help and always helpful for us as well. When I call up there and I know you helped us out with some graduation forecasts to see if it was going to rain during an hour. So we appreciate all the help that you do for us. Well, I mean, same, same here, you know, uh, thank you for that. And, and we obviously appreciate everything that the police force does um, around the town here. Uh, and across the country, that's for sure. So, uh, Darren, thanks for uh, being a guest here on the Weather Lounge. It was fun. Uh, I'm glad you were able to uh, stop by. Thank you, Brad and Mike. I appreciate it. All right. 
Well, that's it for this episode of the Weather Lounge. Remember, you can always send us an email at weatherlounge at weatherworksinc.com and you can give us any comments about the podcast or any suggestions. You can also find Weatherworks on social media, Facebook, Twitter, whatever it may be. And for this episode, we're done, but we'll be back in two weeks with a new episode. So see you then.